We're going to get into our word this morning, and I want to invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 26. We're going to start there this morning, but our foundation is from Ephesians chapter 1 through 3. And Paul is explaining the mystery that God had given to him. And it's the mystery of the body of Christ, that Jesus Christ, through his resurrection, made one body out of the Jews and the Gentiles. He put them together in one body. He calls this his church. The Bible says it's a new man, and this new man is walking in the earth. It's a, he is a representation of the kingdom of God. He goes in the authority of Jesus Christ and exercises the power of heaven. Um, And he is able to go into the world to bring help and healing and hope and deliverance to men and women everywhere all over the world. The church has jurisdiction everywhere. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me through his work on the cross. And so wherever we go in the world, Jesus is there with authority and with power. Doesn't mean it'll be pleasant and doesn't mean that it, it will be without persecution. And it does not mean that you might not face serious consequences as a result of that. But it does mean that wherever you go, Jesus has authority and power. And he has given us the charge to go into all of the world and preach the gospel that he has given to us. The church is constituted by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The life and power of the Holy Spirit alone makes the church the church. The church is not great because of the many people that are brought into it. We are just people. Our power, our authority, and our life is in the Holy Spirit And when we live together in unity and not dysfunctionally separated, divided through schisms and debates and fightings and unforgiveness and bitterness, when that is put away from us and we're able to live in unity by the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit fills that church up and the Holy Spirit begins to move with power and with authority. The grace of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are indispensable in the ministry of the true church of Jesus Christ. There are many churches. There are many things with the name church in it. There are many denominational groups and factions that call themselves the church of Jesus Christ. But if that group does not have the Holy Spirit, then that is not the church of Jesus Christ. The church is the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. The church is Jesus' body. He clothes himself with the church. He continues to walk in this earth through the church and speaks through the church of Jesus Christ. A.B. Simpson, one of the great missionaries of the past who formed the Alliance Ministry said, Christ has been crippled for centuries by a body whose limbs have refused to go on his errands whose hands have refused to do his work and give his money, whose lips have been afraid to speak his message. And what a profound statement that is. But there's something in me that would say respectfully to A.B. Simpson, who I have the greatest respect for. I don't know that I agree with that. Because I believe that the true church of Jesus Christ will do what the head says. That it will move in that. And, and not that there won't be conflict, but because the Lord chastens the body. Because the good father knows how to chasten his children. That I believe God is going to get through his people what he wants to get through it. I just think that a lot of what's called the church is not. 
And a lot of people who join churches have never been born again and belong to the true body of Jesus Christ. That's why they can choose to live how they want to live. Give how they want to give. Go how they want to go. Because they have no Holy Ghost living inside of them. They're just religious and traditional with no power, no life. And will probably, well, if they're not born again, they will not meet Jesus in the air when he comes for his church. You must be born again. And if you're going to be in the church of Jesus Christ, then the entrance into that church is the new birth. You must be born again. And the Holy Spirit lives in you. Now, this new man in the earth has authority within him. And in Acts chapter 26, we're going to just read a little bit of what Paul declares is his ministry. I don't think this is unique to Paul. I think this is the ministry of the church of Jesus Christ. And Paul simply had the faith to walk in it. He's given his testimony and he says in verse 15, I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. But rise and stand upon your feet. For I have appeared unto you for this purpose. And I believe this is the purpose of the church of Jesus Christ. To make you a minister and a witness. Both of these things which you have seen. And of those things in which I will appear unto you. Delivering you from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send you. And how was he sent? To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan unto God. That they may receive forgiveness of sins. And inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Y'all that's authority. That's power. That's not a professor going into the world talking about a Jesus who died on a cross. That's not a traditionalist going forth in, in his traditions to try to tell people a, a new way of life. But this is a man that is being sent by the living God into the earth with a mission to turn men from darkness to light. There's power in that. There's authority in that. There's not compromise in that. It's not a man trying to reason with other men or trying to persuade men of a better way of life or how to get out of addictions. No, men are held in the bonds of satanic captivity. John says that the whole world lies in the embrace of the evil one. And the apostle Paul with the church of Jesus Christ went into the world to turn men from that devil and to turn them to Jesus Christ. And I don't believe this authority has waned through the centuries, but it depends upon the faith of the people and the power of the Holy Spirit living within their life. The power to open the eyes of the people, the power to turn their hearts. That, that is something that we're so motivated in our school with our students, our high school students. I'm, I'm in there with them. I am determined to open their eyes. I am determined to turn them to Jesus Christ, to the kingdom of light. And I don't believe there's enough power in them to resist it. I do not believe that. And I don't believe there's power in my brain or my personality to turn them to Christ. I believe there's power in the Holy Ghost and the gospel of Jesus to do it. And that's what we do. So that they can receive the forgiveness of their sins. Isn't that beautiful? The forgiveness of sins. 
That's what God wants to do for all men, forgive their sins. And so this is one of the tasks of the church of Jesus Christ. And it's what we must be about. The Holy Spirit has one option. That is the church. That is us. That's his only option. He chooses it that way. He could do anything that he wants to do. But Ephesians chapter 3 says that if the wisdom of God is to be demonstrated to principalities and powers, it cannot be done apart from the church. It is by the church that the manifold wisdom of God is displayed. Ephesians chapter 3. So he has limited himself to the church and what he will do through it. And I believe in that. Ephesians chapter 1 through 2 talks about the unique relationship of the church of Jesus Christ with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to read that with you. So if you'll go to Ephesians chapter 1. Paul says in this chapter, as you're reading, it talks about the church and his prayer in verses 17 and 18. So, so don't think just because you're born again, this is automatic to you and you get all this. It's because you're born again, this is your birthright. You have access to this if you will receive this. But he's praying this for the born again church. He wants their eyes of their understanding to be enlightened in verse 18. He wants them to know the hope of their calling or his calling, the riches of his inheritance and the greatness of his power. That's the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, verses 19 and 20. He wants them to know and live in that power of Pentecost, the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's the prayer that the Holy Spirit is praying for believers. That's what he wants for you. That's what he wants for me. And then he talks about this Jesus who has been raised from the dead and ascended, verse 21, far above all principality and power. And might and dominion and every name that is named. Not only in this world but also in that which is to come. And he has put all things under his feet. And gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Which is his body. The fullness of him that filleth all in all. Jesus is the head. We are the body. Separate the head from the body. And you cease to have that life. The the body needs the head. And the head operates the body. And wherever the head is, the body is. We're joined to our head. What does this mean? Jesus has ascended. He's far above all principality and power. The Bible tells us that everything has been put under his feet. Oh, if the church just believed that today. Then he goes into chapter 2 and he tells us this in in verse 6. He has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. And so it doesn't say that one day he's going to make us sit But he says in chapter 2, verse 6, he has made us to sit. It's done. We're not trying to fight and gain a victory. 
Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have been given the Holy Spirit to go into the world and embarrass devils and reclaim society for Jesus Christ. God has given us authority for the United States of America in probably one of the darkest days it's ever known, one of the greatest declensions it's ever experienced, one of the most despairing hours of our nation is depending upon the church of Jesus Christ to come out of the four walls of its church and walk these streets and these political halls and our school systems and our jobs and to be able to turn men from darkness to light and open their eyes to see. Oh, to God that we would do it. This is more than praying in your prayer closet. Somehow getting out of that prayer closet full of the Holy Ghost and going with the church of Jesus Christ into the world. And seeing the power of God. There's hope for the nation, but it's not the next political um, election that we're going to have. Why do we keep hoping in that? When everything, every time we put our hope in that, it's a disaster. Our hope is in the church, understanding who it is. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places. What does that mean? It means what it means for him. He's one. And the church is going into the world With victory, with authority, and with power. I believe that. I honestly believe that. I've seen that, as many of you have seen that as well. Acts chapter 1 gives us this information. If, If you would go back to that, I'm sure you're very familiar with it. But in Acts chapter 1, Jesus said in verse 8, You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, not in you, upon you. He came in you and you were saved. But if you want to be a saved person that has power in your life, the Holy Spirit has to come upon you. This is the endowment of power. This is the ability to be a witness for God. You should pray for the Holy Spirit to come upon you and give you power. To make you a witness unto Jesus Christ into all of the earth. This is the baptism of Jesus. This is what Jesus gives to his children who ask him in faith. And he doesn't withhold this gift from anyone. He doesn't give it to you because you're strong. He gives this to you so you can be strong. He gives this to you so you can be Christ-like. Not because you are Christ-like. But it is the Holy Spirit who will make you Christ-like. This power of the Holy Spirit comes into the earth to give irrefutable evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not the empty tomb that's convincing people that Jesus is God. It is a church full of the Holy Ghost that convinces the world that Jesus is God. That's Acts 4. They prayed and the power of the Holy Spirit came upon them. And, the, and he anointed the apostles with power to witness the resurrection, to give irrefutable evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the proof is there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says that the church is a body and the Holy Spirit puts you in it where he pleases you. He may not put you in the church where your talents are. Doesn't mean you can't operate in your talents, but it may not be your office in the church. Just because you have a particular skill inside of you and you can do that in the world doesn't mean it's going to work in the church because you will trust in your talent rather than God. So the Holy Spirit will oftentimes put you in the church where you have to live by faith and not by your ability. Ephesians chapter 4 talks about the church of Jesus Christ. You cannot 
have or be the church off by yourself. You will be stunted. Your growth will be deformed. You need the body of Jesus Christ to have a growth that's mature and healthy. Ephesians 4 is where I'm going. And, and we read this last week. But in Ephesians chapter 4, he says that he ascended in verse 9. And he gave gifts to men. These gifts are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And what do they do? What do these gifts do operating in the church? This is why you can't say, well, you know what? I don't want to go to church anymore. It's full of hypocrites. And health clubs are full of fat people. But we still do that. And so why do we go to, why do we go to church? Not because it's the absence of hypocrites. But it's there in the church where hypocrites are delivered from their hypocrisy. It's where the immature become mature. Listen to this. It says it's the perfecting of the saints. It's the work of the ministry. It's the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the perfect man. I'll say this to you. If you think you can do church at home by yourself, you're going to have a stunted and very deformed growth. And you'll probably give yourself to false doctrines of devils. Because that's as well as what Ephesians 4 says. Tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. We need the body of Christ to speak to one another in love. Helping us to grow and helping us to mature. And helping us to be strong and godly. And the more of that grace you want in your life. Then the more you make yourself a part of the church. That's up to your faith. Up to your faith. You'll meet Jesus one day. And he'll sort that out in that day of what we did. First Peter chapter 4. Please quickly turn there. In First Peter chapter 4. Peter makes this declaration about the church. In verse 9. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man has received the gift. Every man's received the gift. We need the gifts that are in you. Y'all, we had the most incredible service last Sunday morning. I mean, at 1030 in this service, in these altars, during the worship, I'm talking about people were healed, people were delivered. And I'm going to tell you one of the things throughout the, the sowing of seeds, throughout the ministry of prayer that has gone on for months in people's lives and even years in people's lives, God, the Holy Ghost, moved through particular people with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, gifts of miracles, gifts of faith that went and spoke to individuals and did not have a clue who they were. And an absolute miracle service took place in here last Sunday morning. Unbelievable, if you will. It was incredible what God did. Every gift, everybody has the gift. Absolutely wonderful. And so if any man speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man ministers, let him do it with the ability that God gives. So that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. And that's what's supposed to be happening among the body. Everybody. Everybody serving. Everybody moving in their gifts. Everybody operating in the grace that God has given us. And some of you may wonder, well, what is my gift? Well, what is the need? Don't be so occupied with what your gift is. But have love for God and have love for your brothers and sisters. That you're aware of the needs in people's lives. 
And then just in grace and humility and in love, approach those needs. Can I pray with you? Is there something that I can do for you? And oftentimes, as as you just approach the need, the Holy Spirit will, will move in your life to bring a word or bring a healing or bring a comfort. And that right there was the gift of the Holy Spirit operating through your life. It's easy to sit in a chair and not get involved. But the body of Christ loves one another. And it wants to get involved and it wants to help and it wants to serve And so just going through this, the church is the body that is given to the Holy Spirit. The means by which he expresses Jesus to the world. That's the Holy Spirit's only option. And if the church sits with Jesus in heavenly places and exercises his authority in the earth. And Satan doesn't stand a chance against the church. Then what is Satan's chief objective in the earth? Divide the church. Make the church dysfunctional. Keep the church from being filled with the Holy Spirit. And every person operating in their gift. Keep them from doing that. And if I can keep them from doing that. Then I can steal. Then I can kill. Then I can. But I can't still kill and destroy with a healthy church. I can't. I can't wound a church with gossip if there's a healthy church. I can't get people to live in bitterness if they're living in the Holy Ghost. So what do I have to do? I've got to distract them from that. I've got to bust up the fellowship. That's what I've got to do. I've got to get the Christians to be carnal rather than spiritual. I've got to let them be occupied every day of their life with school and work and finances and hobbies and house projects. And let them give their 15 minutes to Jesus every morning in their devotions. Because that's not going to cut it for the rest of the day. And let them do their their church religious practices during the week like they do. But keep them distracted from Christ and the Holy Spirit. And I'll take America from them. I'll I'll, I'll take their culture and I'll raise up a culture that, that... that has scientists and politicians affirming that a boy can be a girl and a girl, a girl can be a boy. And we want to chemically castrate them and change their sex when they're 12. If I can stop the church, I can do that. And so the greatest thing Satan's attention is on is not governments of the world or politicians or the money. He typically manipulates those situations to his end. The most focused thing that Satan is upon is the church of Jesus Christ. And to keep it divided and to keep it hindered. And so he seeks this in many ways. I'm going to give you three as I close this morning. He seeks to hinder the church and the spirit of God in the church through people. As the Holy Spirit moves through people, Satan himself moves through people. 
And sometimes when we have good intentions, people who feel they have a right, people who think they're helping God. I have seen, I have counseled, I have spoken to numerous pastors who have gone through church splits because they had leadership in their church who thought they were doing the right thing for God. I was talking to about four pastors, four or five pastors this past week who had leadership leave their church. And they're crying on the phone, saying to me, Pastor Lee, why can't they just do it the right way? Just do it the right way. Why does, why does it have to be? Because they're not led of the Holy Spirit. That's the only reason. They might as well reach up into heaven and grab Jesus by the beard and just slap him. To hit his church like that. I would never want to do anything to wound the church of Jesus Christ. Not that I haven't. But I would never want to. That's why I need you in my life. To be able to help me understand when my behavior is inappropriate. Unsubmissive to authority. Undermining authority. The Bible says that there are wolves that come as sheep. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, I think, 10 and 11, that even Satan can appear as an angel of light. And so we've been, we shouldn't be surprised when his ministers come as the ministers of Christ. We don't oftentimes think that, but it's very possible. And these will destroy in the name of Jesus Christ. And then there are those that have been offended. They've been hurt. They've been wounded. I've been hurt by the church. I've been hurt by the church. Actually, I was writing a book about that. Abused by the church. And the Holy Spirit made me change the title. He said, my church didn't abuse you. The religious in it did. He made me change the title from abused by religion and healed by the church. Because he used the church to heal me. And so I, I say that. That, that we've, we've all been abused or offended by religion. And, and we offend each other. Only, I, I offend myself every day. I'm sure I've offended you. To which I don't think I did it intentionally. And if you think that I did, please give me the opportunity to repent to you. This bitterness in a person's life. Will poison many people who drink from your fountain. Happens on social media. Dissatisfied people. Disgruntled people. Bitter people. Hurt people. Will write the most salacious things about Christianity or the church. In a season of despair. A lot of them will come to regret it. But they never repent publicly. It's a shame that that happens, but it hurts the church and it hurts the cause of Jesus Christ. The fellowship breaks down because of one thing. When your relationship with the church is broken down or hurt or hindered, I don't feel connected. I don't feel apart. It's the result of one thing. You, not them, have a problem with the head. And the great analogy is I have Wounded myself. I am not a great carpenter. I have many times hit this hand with a hammer. Because I'm right handed. Many times I've hit this hand with a hammer. And because my head is somewhat healthy. Then 
the hand that wounded the hand drops the hammer and gives attention to the hand because the head tells me to. And if you've got a problem with the church, it's because you've got a problem with the head. And we carry that on into the church and Satan gains the day. And the last thing is this, the hostility of persecution can cause the church to become paralyzed in fear and to withdraw from the cause of Christ because of the threat of men. Persecution is something that we're not acquainted with. We somehow think that as Americans we're shielded from it, though we have already entered into it. But there are many people in the world today, beautiful Christians, who suffer the most horrific persecution in countries that are not favorable to Christianity. We have been doing a lot of prayer this past week for our brothers and sisters in Pakistan. Just recently, there was a Christian family who had a Quran with the pages torn out and some of them in ashes at their door, planted by Muslims. In order to turn a Muslim hatred towards this Christian community in that particular village in Pakistan. Where these Christians are very possibly about to face a great slaughter. We don't know things like that. But we could in the near future. And so I say this to us in regards to the commitment that we've made to Jesus Christ. And I'm going to Hebrews chapter 10. And I'd like for you to just... Turn there with me. This is our, our last chapter that we're going to refer to this morning. And he says in Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another, know one another, be intimate with one another so that we can pr provoke each other to love and to good works. Not forsaken the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Why were they forsaking their assembly? Because of persecution. They were suffering persecution for their faith in Jesus Christ. And it was easy at first to target the Christians. They were the ones gathering. They were the ones going to church. Because that's the definition of church, ecclesia. The gathering of people that have been called out and called into the light of God who leave their homes and go to a public place to worship their God. That's the definition of church. And they were easily identified. They were tortured. They were fired from their jobs. Some of them were exiled. They were separated from their families. Some of them were brutally killed. You're about to read some of these things in Hebrews chapter 11. And so what was it easy to do? Just don't go to church. Let's just stay home. Let's just do church at home. I mean... Why ask for persecution? And that's our mentality. But the devil's mentality is this. Break up the fellowship. Break up the fellowship. Because 
If you don't go, and then that means the gift of the Holy Spirit in you cannot operate to that degree the church is weakened. And the more that I can get to withdraw from the fellowship, then the more that church will be weakened and Satan's plans and devices can be fulfilled. So that's what he does through that persecution. Now, I'll I'll prove this to you. What goes on because he picks this up again when he says in verse 32, but call to remembrance the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions, partly while you were made a gazing stock. Now, it wasn't until after they were illuminated, after they came to faith in Christ. They didn't suffer persecution before that. You ever hear people say, oh, ever since I gave my life to Jesus, it's just been like terrible. Yeah. Because the devil wants you to go back. But now you know the truth. And so he says here, you endured a great fight of affliction. Listen to what they did to them. You were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions. Public whippings. Public, what, what are you going to do? And, and I know what you say. It'll never happen in America. I pray to God you're right. But we already don't go witness And share our faith because we're embarrassed. What are you going to do when they start dragging some of us out into the city square and publicly whip us? How's your faith? They do it all over the world today. And you became companions of those that were so. Well... You go to that church where Lee's pastor. And because you're his companion, and I know that you are. I saw the video and you were in that altar with him. We're going to whip you too. Well, I'm just going to stay home from now on. He said, you had compassion on me and my bonds. Now listen to what else. They spoiled your goods. You joyfully took it. What are you going to do? Knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. So don't cast away. Don't throw away your confidence. Which has great recompense of reward. You need patience. You need patience. And after you've done the will of God, you'll receive the promise. In a little while, he that will come will come and will not tarry. The just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. We're not of those who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. All of this is why he said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the manner of some. And what is the main motive of forsaking myself from the assembly? The preservation of my life. And my way of life. And so the church will face that kind of aggression by Satan if he's able to bring it. If we can cut him off by being the church now in the world while we have a chance. Then perhaps it will never come to that in America. We've been fortunate and blessed to live with hundreds of years of freedom and religious liberty. We don't have that religious liberty. They've taken our first amendment right away. It's gone. I don't know if you know this, but it's gone. We don't have the right to assemble. 
You can go quote the Constitution all you want and the Bill of Rights all you want. But if, if the governor signs an executive order, a lot of people aren't going to church anymore. The, the, and, and these things happen and they've already happened. As a matter of fact, and you don't have to turn there, I'll just make reference to it, but this is after one of those public beatings that the apostles had to go through. And they were forbidden to speak in the name of Jesus and, and minister Jesus anymore. And so this is, this is Peter, the apostle, in front of the governing officials, the laws of his day. This is the, these are the laws of his day. And they said to Peter, didn't we tell you? Didn't we command you? Didn't we sign an executive order that you should not teach this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. And you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God who raised Jesus from the dead. He's the one that we have to obey. And when it comes to persecution, and we must understand that we don't fight any fight. We don't suffer persecution out of foolishness few years ago when the COVID thing was going on, there was a lot of pressure from a lot of groups in a lot of areas to fight, stand up, make a political protest. And I said, what it would be over this, that we're against the COVID vaccination. I don't want that to identify me. When it comes down to the fight, I want it to be over the name of Jesus and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when that comes, we must take that stand. And if that defies man and man's government and man's orders. I say to you guys. Don't throw your confidence away and don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We might have to do it underground. We may have to do it carefully and secretively. But the church, because the Holy Ghost is in it, will gather. You can't help it. You will gather. And as I said last week, I say this. Those that have opposed governmental laws and rules and the orders of men and presidents and magistrates and governors, Daniel, he did, Moses did, Moses refused Pharaoh's orders, the apostles did, we just read it, Paul did, often Paul did. Once while he was hiding from the government. And the church helped him to escape from the government. Rahab did. She lied to her government. Refused to tell them the truth. David and Jonathan did. They planned a deceitful scheme. Against King Saul and lied. To get away with it. Abraham lied to the king. John the Baptist refused to comply with the king's orders. The martyred saints. Joshua. Elijah. The judges. 
who rose up against their oppressors and refused to obey the laws of their oppressors in order to bring the liberty of their people. Jeremiah, to name a few. It's not about us and it's not about having church. Please understand that. And it's not about us walking around saying, aren't we the fearless ones? It's not about that. It's about, do you believe Ephesians 1 through 4? Do you believe that the Holy Spirit has one option and that is the church of Jesus Christ? And it is that body that operates in his power that has all authority and power and is the only means, if Jesus is going to be known, it's going to be through that church by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what it's about. It's not about anything else. It's not about making a name for ourselves or being proud about how bold we are because we're not bold. And but for the Holy Spirit, I'll be the first to run, first to bow, first to obey. But if the Holy Ghost is in me, he'll give me the grace to follow Jesus to the end without throwing my confidence away. And I need you beside me to have that strength. We're going to take a moment. We're going to close in prayer. Call is just going to minister. Would you just pray for a moment? Think about the calling of the church, the effort of the devil to stop it, and how you can be a great companion to the Holy Spirit. Just give him this moment.